the Lord had eight arms, which each held a particular weapon. The Lord was surrounded by demigods, great sages and other associates. These were all engaged in his service. Garuda, the carrier of the Lord, glorified the Lord with Vedic hymns by flapping his wings. Garuda appeared to be an inhabitant of the planet known as Kanadaloka. So we're here in this pastime with the potatoes who underwent severe austerities within the seawater, as well by their father, chanting mantras given by Lord Shiva, who are able to satisfy Lord Vishnu's personal Godhead. And at the end of 10,000 years of severe austerities, uh, the Lord rewarded their austerities and appeared before them. Uh, and uh, this is, um, he appeared on the shoulder of Garuda, the Supreme Personality quoted previous verse, appearing on the shoulder of Garuda seemed like a cloud resting on the summit of the mountain known as Meru. by his divine grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Generally, the Vishnu form is manifested with four hands holding four objects, a conch shell, disc, club, and lotus flower. However, here Lord Vishnu is described as possessing eight arms with eight kinds of weapons. According to Buddha, Raghava, Acharya, the conch shell and lotus flower are also accepted as weapons. Since the Lord is the supreme controller, whatever is in his hand can be considered a weapon. Four hands hold four kinds of weapons and the extra four hands hold an arrow, bow, trident and snake. Sri Viragava Acharya describes the eight weapons as Shankar, Chakra, Gata, Padma, Saranga, Sara, etc. So these uh, weapons, just like the, um, the uh, wooden utensils we use in the uh, performing the fire sacrifice, they consider the Brahmins weapons. Good for keeping children out of the fire. <laughs> but um, yes, the, of course, the battle is within the hearts of the conditioned souls. The king is always accompanied by his ministers, secretaries, and commanders, and Lord Vishnu is also accompanied by his followers, the demigods, great sages, saintly persons, and so on. He is never alone. Consequently, there is no question of the Lord's being impersonal. He is always himself, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and his associates are also persons. 
from the description given in this verse, Garuda appears to belong to the Kanada planet. The inhabitants of the Kanada planet have the same features as Garuda. Their bodily features are like those of a human being, but they have wings. The word Gita, Kirti, indicates that the inhabitants of Kanada Loka are very expert in singing the glories of the Lord. In Brahma Samhita it is said, Jagadananda Kopi Pratish Sesh Vasudari Bhutivina. In each and every universe there are different types of planets and each planet has distinctive features. On the strength of this verse we can understand that in Kannada Loka the inhabitants can fly with their wings. There is also a planet known as Siddhaloka where the inhabitants can fly even without wings. Thus each and every planet has some distinctive facility. That is the beauty of the varied creation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, as Sri Prabhupada says, the Shimba Bhagavatam class, and the Shimba Bhagavatam, it's for the devotees. Bhagavad Gita, those temples usually held in the evening, that is for preaching to the new people and beginning devotees. So, very advanced topic. So the uh, imagine you know, speaking this. Um, actually, I was just thinking uh, this morning that you know my mother had been cultivating in Krishna consciousness you know, the last forty-two years, and um, one of the ways I cultivate cultivator in Christian consciousness is I don't tell these stories. She she has firm faith in Krishna. Uh, you know, as a person, as he looks and what he says. But um, I don't discuss any, anything like this with her. Although, you know, naturally, sometimes she'll see things, documentaries, but um, I know that sometimes if I speak to her about something, you know, you get that blank look, you can tell it's just a little bit too much. And I just, and, uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're very advanced topics, very difficult. We're discussing planets being filled with many, many different personalities, God being a person, uh, people that look like humans who have wings. 
Of course, um, you know what's what's uh, interesting that even you know Christians um, who accept God as a person and who also you know um, within their uh, you know drawings and pictures they draw angels. And those angels have human forms with wings. They accept that. But if we presented this in the Bhagavad Gita, they would probably reject it. You know, that there is a, a planet. Um, so, um, you know, the very, very bad. Here, these personalities on Kanara Loka, they can fly with wings, but there's another planet. Then we get another up another level of understanding where they can fly without wings. So that would be even more hard to understand. That's a higher planet. So um, so uh, you know people do come across hearing different descriptions uh, from the. Uh, Bhagavad Gita and the Shema Bhagavatam, you know, they happen to come across them. There's always benefit, uh, but it, that benefit may not immediately bring them to devotional service. So, you know, Krishna describes that in the Bhagavad Gita. First of all, you know, he describes to Arjun the difficulty of understanding Gita, especially the confidential parts of Gita. Because the Gita has confidential knowledge. Um, there is more confidential knowledge and there is most confidential knowledge. And uh, in the 18th chapter, uh, Krishna once again and gives the most constant confidential knowledge which he had previously said in the ninth chapter that uh, one should think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead uh, practice uh, thinking of him in devotion in a favourable way uh, learning the art of devotional service and worship offering one's respects to the Lord and uh, in this way surrender to the Lord through that process of devotional service um, and take up that path fully, 100%, mould one's life in such a way that that is uh, one's, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, day in, day out, for one's whole life, that becomes one's whole life. So that is the confidential message of the, of the Gita. But, in verse 67, he says, This confidential knowledge may never be explained to those who are not austere or devoted or engaged in devotional service, nor to one who is envious of him. So, what do you see? You know, the topics of Shema Bhagavatam, which are post graduate. Um, so, even the confidential aspects of the Gita are still you know, the entrance understanding. 
And Prabhupada says in the purport, persons who have not undergone the austerities of the religious process, who have never attempted devotional service in Krishna consciousness, who have not tended a pure devotee, and especially those who are uh, conscious of Krishna only as a historical personality, or who are envious of the greatness of Krishna, should not be told this most confidential part of knowledge. And of course, um, the, uh, the purpose of that is to so that we don't invite criticism of Krishna, which is destructive for them. Um, so just like the Bodhis usually have deities at home, and uh, one of the principles of having deities at one time is that one should be able to you know, cover them so that if they have guests come into their home, they should not even look at the deities uh, with a critical mentality of you know, the, these persons, persons that worshipping these statues and wood and brass, the scholars like that. Uh, people should not look at the deities with that critical mood and therefore, according to who's coming into one's home, then the deity should be covered or uncovered. So there should be always some curtain or you know, some door that should be shut. Not that they just open, anyone who comes in, they just look, oh, God, what's going on over there? <laughs> so, otherwise we invite criticism. It's not good for the Lord. Uh, you know, um, anyone that's dear to us, if you know, if we have uh, you know our wife, our husband, our children, our friends, if we know someone's going to come and criticise that person or be very critical or look, you know, we won't even bring where that person is like that. So it's it's um, it's for their benefit. It says. Um, it is, however, sometimes found that even demoniac persons who are envious of Krishna worshiping Krishna in, different, in a different way take to the profession of explaining Bhagavad Gita in a different way to make business. But anyone who desires actually to understand Krishna must avoid such commentaries on Gita. So, <clears throat> as we hear, that uh, although Gita is nectar, but if it's what to speak of being spoken by an authorised devotee, but to the wrong participant, um, what to speak of if it's spoken by an unauthorised person, not a devotee, then it's like milk, you know, being fed to a snake. And that milk, we might say, oh, it's milk, what's wrong with milk? Oh, but it's being touched by the poisonous lips of a snake, so we don't take it. Actually, the purpose of the Bhagavad Gita is not understandable to those who are sensuous. So, as soon as um, one is on the sensuous platform, uh, to that degree, they cannot understand Krishna. So, uh, understanding Gita increases as one's sensuous position reduces. Even if one is not sensuous but is strictly following the disciplines enjoined in the Vedic scripture, if he is not a devotee, he also cannot understand. And even if 
one poses himself as a devotee of Krishna but is not engaged in Krishna conscious activities, he also cannot understand Krishna. Even if one, uh, one actually has to engage in properly in devotional service. So these are all the prerequisites, and this is just for the Gita. There are many persons who envy Krishna because he has explained in Gita that he is the Supreme and that nothing is above him or equal to him. Uh, there are many persons who are envious of Krishna. So, of course, um, that's the point that will affect someone in the heart. You know, that when we discuss Gita and the confidential parts, uh, when we present that Krishna is above everything and everyone, people will get, you know, within their heart. I'm not having that. So that will disturb and make them angry. Um, so the envy is there, but we've just stirred it up. We can stir it up a bit, but we don't want to stir it up. Such, in, in fact, when a devotee presents to be there, they actually want to invoke a favourable response. So, such persons should not be told of Bhagavad Gita for they cannot understand. There is no possibility of faith this person's understanding Gita and Krishna. Without understanding Krishna from the authority of a pure devotee, one should not try to comment upon Bhagavad Gita. So, um, uh, you know, Srila Prabhupada, um, you know, in his preaching, we see that if he was preaching to persons, one time Prabhupada was, uh, he was speaking to, um, in, in a, like a room conversation, and that he spoke to a person for a long time, and then a- after the session, the devotee said, Prabhupada, you didn't preach anything about Krishna consciousness to him. He said he had no questions. He had, you know, Prabhupada understood. He has no interest to ask anything about Krishna consciousness. I'm not speaking anything about Krishna. They spoke for a long time. And chat. Oh, where are you from? Calcutta. Oh, yeah. Where this good? <laughs> Other times, Prabhupada, uh, he, if he discussed, he would talk that, you know, we must have food grains to live. And, uh, and we must produce, you know, each country must produce food grains and, and distribute and, uh, you know, to the citizens uh, that you can't just eat nuts and bolts, you know, these things must be. So then, you know, the confidential parts of Krishna is the Supreme Person of God is no one above him. No, 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 that's not there. Sometimes, you know, when Prabhupada, even with uh, Cardinal Danilu in Paris, he, um, uh, you know, the Cardinal wanted to speak of love of God. He kept pushing Prabhupada, let us talk something else. Prabhupada, cow's mother. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let him get past that point. He wouldn't let him move on. He wanted to talk the love of God. Prabhupada said, love of God, your business is killing you. How are you going to talk of love? <laughs> Sometimes devotees say, 
Um, this is verse 71. And one who listens with faith and without envy becomes free from sinful reactions and attains to this vicious planets with a pious cloth. So this, this is a very um, interesting purport here. Um, Prabhupada says in the 67th verse of this chapter, the Lord explicitly forbade the Gita's being spoken to those who are envious of the Lord. In other words, Bhagavad Gita is for the devotees only. But it so happens that sometimes the devotee of the Lord will hold open class. And in that class, not all students are expected to be devotees. And of course, when devotees hold open classes, they will generally speak, you know, the topics that they may speak on are generally a little bit less risky, you know, because it is an open class. Uh, and um, he says, why do such persons hold open class? Is it explained here that although not everyone is devotee, still there are many men who are not envious of Krishna. They have faith in him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If such persons hear from a bona fide devotee about the Lord, the result is that they become at once free of all sinful reactions and after they attain to the planetary system where all righteous persons are situated, and after they attain the planetary system where all righteous persons are situated, therefore simply by hearing Bhagavad Gita, even a person who does not try to be a pure devotee attains the result of righteous activities. Thus a pure devotee of the Lord gives everyone a chance to become free from all sinful reactions and to become a devotee of the Lord. Generally those who are free from sinful reactions, those who are righteous, very easily take the Krishna consciousness. So by hearing the Gita, one actually becomes free from sinful reactions and that righteous position is very conducive, it makes it easier for the person to then accept Krishna consciousness. Um, the word punyikaranam is very difficult, it's very significant here. This refers to the performance of great sacrifices like the Ashramata Jagya, mentioned in the Vedas. Those who are righteous in performing devotional service but who are not pure can attain the planetary system of the pole star or Dhruvaloka where Dhruva Maharaj is presiding. He is a great devotee of the Lord and he has a special planet which is called the pole star. So here we see that if a person hears the Gita from an authorised person and you know they get a little faith or their faith is not disturbed let's put it in that way <laughs> right? they get a little faith because they're hearing topics which are not going to disturb them too much and it's enough for them to keep their faith and hear about Krishna those persons get such value that they can even attain the pole star of Dhruva Maharaj. Now we know that Dhruva Maharaj, of course, is a, a pure devotee of the Lord. And that indicates that those persons on those higher planetary systems 
they enjoy the results of that they have heard the Gita and from the right persons and they understand that. Well, what are you doing here in the Pulsar, Tripoli? <laughs> ended up at the Hare Krishna temple, heard, heard a couple of lectures, you know, you know a couple of weeks later, hit by a bus and ended up in the Pulsar. <laughs> And of course, on the pole star, they have, um, you know, Dhruva Maharaj's influences there. That, um, you know, so that there's some opportunities to uh, keep their faith, develop their faith. Now, in the Bhagavad Gita, also, you know, Krishna says in the sixth chapter, and of course, here, like this Kanara Loka, this is another plan, okay. you know, that those who achieve some significant punyakana, you know, the blessings of the Lord, somehow or another, hearing the Gita, chanting, taking the shadow, they can also go to planets like Kanada Loka and be inspired by persons like Garuda and many persons there also very expert in glorifying the Lord. In the Gita, again, verse 41, the unsuccessful yogi, that means um, someone who hasn't done this sum uh, piety through uh, a Gyana Sakriti, some devotional service, but not for a long time, not in a mature way, but somehow or another. After many, many years of enjoyment on the planets of the pious living entities, is born into a family of righteous people or into a family of rich aristocracy. So then they, you know, from these planets, uh, they come down. And that gives them an opportunity uh, to then, uh, you know, perfect their understanding of the Gita and to take up the process of devotional service. So that uh, process of devotional service that's mentioned by Krishna in the Gita, and he summarizes that in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, basically from verses uh, 40, 45, I think it is. By the worship of the Lord who is the source of all beings and who is all-pervading, a man can attain perfection through performing his own work. So, um, Krishna explains that many, many pious persons who have a sense of duty and 
um, you know, they're going to perform a particular work in a, um, um, according to Shastra, what Krishna explains, if they perform their work, and in the following verses he describes, but they're performing their work unattached to the modes of material nature. So it's an interesting point because um, they've taken such a birth because there's some piety, punyakama, even some, you know, galaxy unknowing or un, you know, devotional service. They've heard the Gita, they've heard the holy name, taken the Prashadam, bowed their head before the deity, etc. And they've been given a birth by which they can work in such a way and be trained by the devotees to hear the sections of the Gita which are appropriate for them to learn how to do their work in such a way that they gradually first come to the Brahma-Bhuta platform. Not understanding Krishna straight off, but just first that section of the Gita that's what most people need to hear. How you do your work, which is not sinful, and by doing that, in a certain way, dedicating the results to the Supreme, you can actually come to the Brahma Buddha platform, which brought the Brahma Buddha first conception. And that means that one does one's work without attachment to the most material nation, without attachment to the fruits, dedicating the results to the Supreme. So how does one, so we know that, you know, sudras are generally in the mode of ignorance and vices are in the mode of uh, passion and ignorance and, and um, you know, the, like the merchants and what have you and the, the general workers and, and tamaguna, uh, rulers, administrators, uh, rajas, passion, uh, brahmins, brahmas, the priests, and, uh, you know, intellectuals and those who give knowledge and guidance. Uh, you know, in, in sattva, goodness. How do they work? If they're in those modes, and how do they work unattached to the modes of material nature? They do that by following Shastra. So they learn to have faith in the, you know, they hear the, uh, what are the activities of the Brahmanas. Uh, you know, and they also understand, if you're a Brahmana, if you're born in a Brahmana family, but you're more attracted to the work of the sutra and do that work. They learn these things. Um, it's better to engage in the work according to one's nature, not repress one's nature and do something else. And if you do the work according to your nature, even though there's some fault, still you attain perfection. Whereas if you do another's work that you're not qualified for, that's very dangerous. And so they actually work unattached to the modes of nature by doing it according to scripture. And they learn that through, so for instance, um, uh, people get married. It's called Vivahajagya. It's a sacrifice. It means that the nature is that they want to live in family life, that is in nature, there's some attachment to the most material nature, but to avoid attachment to the most material nature, they follow Shastra and they get married to one person and live with one person in that relationship 
like that. And that frees them from the most material nature by following Shastra. And even the sex life in that relationship is regulated, especially towards, you know, or particularly towards, uh, you know, raising children. And married life is for, uh, you know, raising children and performing one's duty in, in, duties in a cooperative way and living, you know, peacefully and uh, without, uh, you know, uh, impious activities like that. So in that way, if Prabhupada says, or Krishna says, if they do that, what happens is that they're doing their work, but they know that the Supreme Lord, they're connected with the Supreme through Shastra, and therefore it gives them a sense that I'm a part, I'm duty-bound to the Supreme. So that's the beginning of this concept, and that the actions of my life will produce a reaction which will produce my next body. And therefore they gradually get the concept that I am not this body, but a soul travelling from one body to another and my everything I do is being witnessed and sanctioned by the Supreme. So they get this Brahman conception. That's the part of the Gita that they need to hear. How to do that. And by doing that, uh, then Krishna says, by coming to that Brahma Buddha platform, they can then engage in devotional service. So, as Prabhupada describes, I think in verse uh, 56, that, you know, we hear that devotional service begins from the platform of Brahma Buddha, but if you look at Prabhupada's purport, um, this uh, so in other words, we think of Brahma Buddha as, uh, in one sense, this perfectionist state of being completely on the Brahman platform, you know, at that, but it's not. <coughs> Brahma Buddha begins from the Brahman conception. <laughs> that's what I, that's the place I had when I heard that from purple. Wow, I was thinking of something you know, different. It, it be, you know, I'm not this body. Uh, I'm a, you know, uh, I'm spiritual. Uh, I'm taking these bodies uh, by I'm getting calm and going from one body to another. I'm actually more one with the supreme. I'm not sure what it is, but that's spiritual. I'm spiritual, and to attain that spiritual nature, I tend to need to work in connection with the supreme. That's Brahma Buddha platform or Brahma Buddha conception. That allows a person to take up devotional service. A person, you know, uh, as Prabhupada explains in the very beginning of Bhagavad Gita, that the whole process of devotional service, it, it begins on that platform that Krishna is speaking to Arjuna. You're not this body, you're an eternal soul. That's the basic platform that one can come to devotional service and engage in the service of the personality of Godhead. Without that conception, it's very difficult to have faith or make progress if one doesn't understand that there is a spirit soul or that there is a supreme or there is life after anything like that those you know that con- conception is not there to take that devotional service is very difficult but if that conception is there which is a result of piety from sometimes hearing the Gita and chanting and taking the shard and bowing down the head 
serving a devotee like that. It's very conducive. And then, one take, as Krishna says, one can take up devotional service, and that devotional service is done under the guidance of a devotee, and by devotion, as we hear in Shrima Bhagavatam, first canto, uh, first canto, chapter 2, you know those verses, Punishrava and Kirtanam, that by hearing and chanting, uh, and, uh, it is um, pious activity in itself, and gradually the rajas and tamas and, and the you know, afflictions of the modes of material nature are removed. Okay? And Prabhupada calls that in the purport, in the 18th chapter, he calls it progress on the Brahma Buddha platform. So as Brahma Bhutta, to begin with, the conception must be there, there's Brahma Bhutta. And progress on the, on the platform of Brahma, Brahma Bhutta means that uh, even, you know, still the Brahma conception is there, but the modes are still strong. And those modes, by devotional service, are then purified uh, from the heart under guidance. Then one can understand Krishna after that point. Then, you know, the confidential parts of the Gita, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I must surrender unto Him. Love. You know, there is a spiritual world. You know, Krishna says that there are so many different uh, planets with living entities, and although the scientists are all against that philosophy, the whole world's against that. You know, if Krishna says it, I believe it, because He's God. That comes at that point. Um, and then, as Krishna says to Arjun, um, in, uh, the eighteenth chapter, very nice. Uh, I think it's, Thanks for Arjun. He explains that um, <clears throat> he tells Arjun that uh, must be before 66 <clears throat> that by surrendering to the supreme personality of Godhead, uh, he can attain perfection. Verses, verses uh, 57, 58, like that. So Krishna explains that um, if one takes over the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then what happens is that the devotee can attain complete perfection in devotional service, they can fully understand Krishna and they can also go back to the spiritual world and that they can actually see Krishna face to face. And Prabhupada mentions in the Bhagavad Gita there that one may think that Arjuna was a friend of Krishna. 
he was able to associate with Krishna and see him face to face, but what about us? We don't have that opportunity. And Krishna is indicating, and Prabhupada is paraphrasing, that if one follows in the footsteps of Arjuna, he would get exactly the same benedictions and facility as Arjuna to be able to see the Lord face to face in his spiritual abode and, uh, and, and have an intimate and confidential relationship with him. And, uh, so that comes last. You know? So step by step, these things. So, um, but what we shouldn't do is imitate uh, advanced devotees. So we shouldn't imitate Garuda. Well, Garuda is flapping his wings and the sounds of glorification of the Lord is coming. I'll also flap my arms and uh, make a big noise and uh, in this way, like Garuda, I will glorify the Lord. We, we do that. We may look silly, emit some odours, so many different things, but it will be completely different to Garuda. But we should follow in the footsteps of Garuda, not imitate. There's a proverb that says, he quotes, I think there was uh, an Englishman who wrote this little poem. Big, big monkey, big, big belly, sea lion jumping, melancholy. You know that? You haven't heard that? Yeah. <laughs> There's a Prabhupada, uh, he, he spoke it. Uh, but it was, uh, it wasn't devotee, I don't think he wrote it, but Prabhupada liked it. He quotes it Big, big monkey, big, big belly. So people like to imitate Hanuman. Hanuman is like sort of a vulnerable. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, like a monkey type form and eats ferociously. So they imitate Hanuman. Oh yeah, I will eat. I will eat like Hanuman. So they get the big, big belly like that. Oh, I'm as good as Hanuman. Hanuman's eats so big. I don't know. I mean, sea lion jumping, melancholy. You can do the activities in the Hanuman. I can eat like that. <laughs> so. So we don't, we don't imitate, we can't imitate, we can't imitate Arjuna. That um, I am speaking, communicating directly with Krishna. We, Krishna says in the Gita that for one who takes up devotional service, everything is revealed by Krishna within the heart. So everything a devotee needs to understand and do, all his activities are guided by Krishna within the heart. He's prompted by Krishna in the heart, and Prabhupada says, and that is always confirmed by the Guru. That is the difference. For us, Krishna will speak to us directly. How do we know the difference between our mental speculation and Krishna's promptness within the heart because it's always confirmed by Guru, Vaishnava and Shastra. But 
it, if it is confirmed by Guru, Sadhu and Shastra, it's as good as Krishna uh, uh, directly speaking to one, prompting one within the heart. Uh, but we can't imitate Arjun that without confirmation that uh, he is Krishna's. I felt inspired to do that in my devotional service. I'm doing this, doing that. It was, it, you have the confirmation of Vaishnavas, Guru, Shastra. Honor, that's not required. Krishna. So we don't imitate that. Um, then if we do that, we look as silly as trying to imitate Guru, Guru. <laughs> So, um, so therefore, as Krishna says, in all our activities, in devotional service, all the activities are under the shelter of Krishna, guided by Krishna, prompted by Guru, by Guru, prompted by Krishna. But everything we do is sanctioned by the Vaishnavas, the Guru and the Shastra and if we do that we know that uh, we are properly situated. So we, so for instance we know that we should preach Krishna consciousness that is, uh, you know, preaching is the essence, that is the mainstay of uh, uh, but still we do that under the, you know, in a way that Prabhupada showed by his own example uh, in the way that Krishna says in his Gita be careful who you're speaking to. Be careful that you're speaking to the appropriate sections of you know, uh, my Gita, speak of Bhagavatam to. Uh, you know, we follow Krishna, we follow the ex- living example of Srila Prabhupada. We teach people about the holy name, but we're very careful in the way that we teach people about the holy name. We get them to chant the holy name. But the confidential, you know, aspects, you know, that is according to their, um, that is understood according to the level of active engagement in devotional service and their level of understanding Gita is according to their active level of devotional service on the platform of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of, in, in, uh, under the guidance of the devotees. And uh, quite often I give the example that, um, you know, when I read the Gita, I'd never met a devotee. So I had faith in Krishna. I thought, yes, Krishna is God. Um, I'm a part of God. I'm definitely not God. I, I do believe, you know, I'm spiritual by nature and that I'm traveling through different bodies. I understood that. Um, the faith was there. But, you know, there were so many misconceptions which I only realized later as I become a devotee. When I become a devotee in the association of devotees, then I understood how to serve Krishna and distinguish what is service to Krishna from what is service to Ganga's mind, you know. <laughs> Which I could I had no ability to distinguish, even though I'd read the Gita. You know, so the process of devotional service, we actually have to engage in it under guidance. And uh, as I've told the story many times, just to give a graphic example, you know, Krishna says, offer everything to me. Because when I was reading that, I was doing some landscape gardening. And because uh, what, you know, say if you're making a lawn or something, then you, you, you get the rake and you take all the rubble, you know, from the building, you know, bits of concrete rock and 
ways and you just put them in a barrel and you just you know, put them somewhere else and uh, you do that until there's just a nice dirt, nice and flat and level like that. Anyway, whenever I'd fill up the wheelbarrow with all this rubbishy stuff, I'd be thinking, so everything has to be offered to Krishna. So I'd go and dump it where it needed to be dumped and then, there you go Krishna. I don't really know what you want with that, but everything has to be offered to Krishna. <laughs> There's just no real concept. Only after a couple of years as, as a devotee, that one day I was thinking about that and it dawned on me that whenever I used to pick up my paycheck, there was no concept of this is Krishna's. That was mine. That was for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> It just didn't even occur to me, you know, load of rubbish. Oh yeah, that's for you, Krishna, with all my heart. The paycheck, there's not even a thought of Krishna like that. So, you know, unless you're in this society of devotees, you can't understand the process of devotion, so you can't properly enter into the Gita. You, you know, you can have faith in Krishna, although, you know, the full understanding is there. So our realisation... Uh, of uh, these books uh, is, is in stages and our preaching of these books is in stages and uh, which is very nicely presented uh, but we shouldn't imitate advanced devotees but we should learn how to follow in their footsteps any questions or comments on that? Verse 9, Prabhupada mentions a couple of times in the 18th chapter. First in, in verse 9 he says, um, Krishna says, Arjuna, when one performs his prescribed duty only because it ought to be done, so it's recommended, scriptures, and, you know, moral codes, etc., and renounces all material association, and all attachment to the fruit, renunciation is said to be in goodness. Right? So that's what we're recommending. Prabhupada says, prescribed duties must be performed in this mentality. One should act without attachment to the result. 
he should be disassociated from the modes of work. A man working in Krishna consciousness in the factory does not associate himself with the work of the factory, nor with the workers of the factory. He simply works for Krishna. And when he gives up the result for Krishna, he's acting transcendentally. And in another part, so literally, uh, the person is doing their work for Krishna, and therefore they're detached from the actual work itself, the factory, the other workers, the whole thing, this is for Krishna. Because they want to offer the result to Krishna, then you naturally think of Krishna. Right? So, for instance, if um, uh, say a worker is going about his work every day, oh, this work, you know, trying to be crazy, you know, what time is it? Oh, I've been here 10 minutes, I've been at work 10 minutes, I'm going to go home already. Like that. Oh, you know, and he's just absorbed in it. And he gets a girlfriend. And he wants to buy her a diamond ring, so he's working, he's thinking, I'll work hard and I'll get this you know, nice ring for my girl. It's natural, he'll, he'll be, you know, no longer the, um, you know, literally the, uh, the grind of working is what takes up his, his thinking on getting close to my goal. He'll naturally think of that person and, you know, I've almost got the money like that. It'll be there, it's natural. He doesn't have to force himself, it's, it's very natural. Um, it, 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 in fact, he will work better, isn't it? And therefore, you know, Prabhupada mentions that the basis of economics is family life. So <laughs> he mentions that, you know, um, you know so sometimes the boss would ask, you know, you married? Oh, you should have the job. They know they'll work better than anyone because they're motivated for this money. I'll raise my family, get a nice home, a nice car, like this. But they're always thinking for their family. And because they're always thinking for their family, they are the best workers. See? Now, what to speak of a material attachment, if you have a spiritual attachment that's not part of the illusory material world, it's, it's natural to think of Krishna. Um, so, uh, that process we're giving and uh, you know therefore our discussions you know our Krishna guitar with people is in such a way that they do develop faith that Krishna is a person and is transcendentally situated as we see in this verse here from the very beginning of Gita Krishna tries to impress this point upon the readers uh, and Arjuna. I'm a person, you're a person, everyone here is a person. The universe is filled with persons and they're all of individuals in the past, now and in the future. They're eternally persons, individuals on the spiritual platform. So if a person has that, you know, that concept from the beginning of the Gita, which is the same presented here, but with more advanced 
information as well, to understand, so God is a person. I'm eternal, I'm a person. God is a person and that's who I'm working for. Yes, if I can be a person, why can't he be a person? So that's the ABCs of Gita. So if, if we give them the proper information, then that faith, that will inspire someone to work. You know, why, why can't God be a person? I'm a person. If I can be a person, why can't God be a person? <laughs> He's greater than I am. So that's the ABC, the Gita. Now if someone if we can if we can speak that verse, what's that? Two twelve. If if we can speak that verse so nicely the person says, I really, you know, I can understand what you're saying, they can follow the they don't have to understand everything about Krishna and the gopis and you know, killing the demons and, you know, Garuda flapping his wings and different thing. If they understand that verse, they can follow the whole process of the Gita. Like that, from the very beginning. We don't have to go much, that, and that's what the second verse of instruction in the Gita to Arjun. The first one is, you know, he tells him, you're speaking very learned, but you're a fool, so be quiet and listen. <laughs> But, you know, so therefore, um, if we fail to preach Gita properly, then you're correct. How will they do it? If we can't get people to understand the second, the second verse that, where Krishna gives his spiritual instructions, you are correct. How will they understand how to you know, work and think of Krishna at the same time? But if, they, if they get that concept, He's actually a person, an eternal person, within my heart. At that, he knows everything, past, present, future. They, they get those concepts. You know, you can meditate on those few points for the rest of your life if you didn't know anything else. You know, they're, they're quite, they're quite inspiring concepts. You know, as devotees, we can sometimes. You know, this is what I love about Prabhupada's preaching. He was a devotee all his life. He read the Gita all his life. And at the very end of his life, after all that preaching and everything, if he spoke about these essential topics of the Gita, you could see they thrilled him as much as they thrilled Sanjaya, uh, you know, at the end of hearing the Bhagavad Gita. They're wonderful concepts. Um, If someone had told me these things, you know, well, actually, when I found the Gita, I was absolutely thrilled with these concepts. It was my heart yearned for them, and uh, it it just changed my life. It's what the soul is searching for, that concept, which is ABCs of the Gita, is what the soul searches for for millions and millions of lifetimes. The soul. There's something missing. That's it. And we're like, oh, I'll move past that. I'm up to here now. Now, if the person, and you're correct also, if the person hasn't understood that, verse 12, 
of the second chapter, are we going to preach from the tenth chapter? No. Imitate the elevated. Um, there was about three or four extremely elevated devotees of the Lord, Mahaprabhu would speak certain confidential topics to. Not even Prabhupada said, not even come to death. Are we going to speak that? It's not even going to do us benefit, little like that. If we can't preach it, it means we haven't actually properly assimilated it. We can, we can preach something when we've assimilated it, and when, you know, that knowledge is so wonderful that it'll be bursting out of it, that it'll be pouring our body, that we just can't wait to speak it to someone. So we have to assimilate it, and if we assimilate it, we can then speak it with realization. So what happens, as we said that, first we take up devotional service with the Brahma Bhutta conception of the spirit soul, part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. My duty is to serve him. He is all pervading, everything is his energy, everything should be used in the service of God. We have those understandings. We we still have in our hearts at that stage Tamas Rajas to some degree. Therefore, there's no question of anyabalasida, you know, no desires, because we have all sorts of things going on in our heart, <laughs> material desires and ambitions. But if we engage in our duties, which are natural to us, and we do it dedicating them to Krishna, then those, the passion, the tamas, even contamination of sattva, and we come to pure sattva, you know, gradually the modes come, then we can aspire to perform devotional service on that platform uh, properly. Right? So there's practice, and then we can actually do it. That's that verse. That's, so when we speak, when those verses... What they do is they describe devotional service when it's actually being done properly. So, for instance, if you talk about a mango, you talk about a ripe mango already. You don't, you know, we know that a mango starts in a, with a little bud. Can't eat that. That's, we don't usually just, some, you, you talk to a child about a mango, you don't talk about a little bud. You talk about a mango in its full situation. Right? When you talk about devotional service, you talk about it when it's fully, properly matured, and from that we can understand we're almost there, or getting there, like that. So when you talk about those verses, describe devotional service properly. And if we can perform that level of devotional service, then the Brahma Bhutta progress is 100% complete. And if we engage in devotional service, it will bring us to that complete perfection on the spiritual platform 
Bumbleboot platform uh, where we are, as Prabhupada says in the 14th chapter, in the purport, the last sentence, about the varieties on the Brahman Buddha platform. Devotional service means we're on the spiritual platform, Brahman platform, but with varieties. And uh, that not, and Krishna is the basis of Brahman or spirit and the unlimited varieties of Brahman or spirit. And, and that is mentioned, Prabhupada says, by following such a process, one becomes completely detached from all material activities. One who, who can thus situate himself in the Brahma Jyoti or the different varieties of the Brahman conception is equal to the Supreme Personality of Godhead in quality. So that by uh, engaging in devotional service, it will bring us to that platform where we can perform devotional service completely on the transcendental platform. Uh, and uh, it is that platform where the you know the, um, the, the understanding of Krishna properly matures his name, his form, his fame, his pastimes at that day have become a very very uh, the assimilation is very very profound, very deep and very profound. Uh, so we're aspiring to that because that's a the, the, the platform of properly doing devotional service. So sometimes Prabhupada says this devotional service proper. In other words, yeah, you're properly there now. You know, you, before that, we're an apprentice. So, so someone's a doctor or a lawyer, um, or, you know, carpenter, you know, they're an apprentice. They're not really properly there. In one sense, they are. Because apprentice is good as a real thing, in another sense they're not. So they're doing the real thing, but they can't do it independently and properly. There's a lot of mistakes they can make easily, get themselves in trouble, but they're not properly there. So there's a difference between being the apprentice and the master. So those verses describe this is proper, uh, master the spiritual energy. So like Garuda, uh, you know, Prabhupada mentions that the Vaishnavas, you know, first, when we engage in the, our occupational duties in the service of the Lord, we're using the material energy in the service of the Lord. When we perform devotional service on that level, we're actually using the spiritual energy in the service of the Lord. Krishna has given me this duty to do. 
So we do that to the best of our ability, because if we do it whimsically, Prabhupada says that's not devotional service. So we do it to the best of our ability. And even because we're developing, even if there's some mistakes, we're still considered on the perfectional point. We're perfectly situated. So in spiritual life, there's perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. So, <laughs> you know, the devotees, uh, it doesn't matter that there's, you know, the, um, what we may see is I'm not quite doing something proper. Or worse, we see some other devotee is not doing something proper. What we should see is according to the Gita, if they're trying their best to do the duties that are allocated to them by the arrangement of the Lord, despite any imperfections or what have you, they are perfectly situated. We are perfectly situated. And Krishna just takes the good. From there, it's on the others. And that's from day one. That's from day one as a devotee. That's the beauty of this. You don't have to wait 10, 20 years to be perfectly situated as a devotee. Yeah. Okay? Hare Krishna.